My name is Erin Weideman, and you are listening to Heroes for Her. This series features candid conversations with real women who strive to balance their professional acumen with their personal values. Join me as I interview positive female role models who are working hard, loving others, and inspiring the next generation of girls to serve their unique purpose. Hi, everybody, and welcome to today's episode of Heroes for Her. My guest today is Elise Boggs. We had Elise on the podcast about a year ago, and I am honored that she's back to dive deeper into her passion, which is to equip the next generation of marketplace leaders to change the world. As a university professor and accomplished coach, Elise has trained leaders in the industries of nonprofits and government and medicine and military, so quite the range. She's worked in the United States as well as led effective teams all over the world, including the United Kingdom, India, South Africa, and Australia. Elise, so excited to welcome you back on the show. Thank you for having me back. I love it. So last time you were here, we talked mostly about emotional intelligence, which we know is a key component to great leadership. If you missed that episode, you can scroll all the way back through our past episodes to episode 20. But our focus today is talking through not just what makes a great leader in terms of emotional intelligence and the different qualities that we're trying to instill in our kids. But the first question I want to, I want to sort of guide our conversation for today is, do you personally feel that everybody has the potential to be a great leader? I do. And, uh, you know, there's always that question, are leaders born or made? And I would say the, the answer is really both that I think all of us have some innate abilities, but they all have to be cultivated. But if I was to narrow down what leadership is ultimately in its essence, it's influence. And influence is really accessible to anyone, title or not. Uh, and I think we've all known people that have a title and don't necessarily have influence. And we know people who don't have a title and have significant influence. So at its essence, I think leadership is influence. So to me, uh, you know, leadership is really accessible to anyone. So with that said, and thinking in terms of influence and being able to move and stir people to action and just personal growth and all the things that we know it takes to shape a leader, who had a significant influence on you as you developed not only the skills to, to, to teach yourself, but just the education and all the things that you've seen, um, you know, you personally in the work that you do has somebody has there been a person who had significant influence on you yeah I would say uh, my parents at at the foundation and I was thinking about this this morning as I was preparing and I just believe I'll start with my dad and then I'll move to my mom but with my dad you know he really believed in me from an early age that I was a leader and and he really encouraged me in every opportunity that would come my way to prepare for that and he never really used the word leader he just um, would say you know you're you're meant to do something significant with your life you're meant to in- influence people and that's ultimate what leadership is. And I think from a dad to a daughter, that's extremely important. Um, he's one, he's the one who really built, you know, that physical and intellectual confidence in me. So 
the physical would be a lot through play. Like I was a total tomboy growing up, um, whether it was, you know, playing at the park or swimming or riding bikes together or, you know, playing a game and him never letting me win. Um, it was this um, dynamic that really established a lot of confidence in those areas. And he also had a passion for learning. He's an avid reader and he probably goes through 10 books a week on a number of different topics. And so, you know, I think he was always the one reading me books or quizzing me or, you know, challenging me intellectually. And he was really the one that encouraged me to go beyond my undergrad to get a master's degree. He'd come from a family that hadn't even gone past a fifth grade education. So I think he wanted to instill in his own kid more kids more opportunity. Um, but I'm an avid reader because of him. And so much of what I've learned about leadership has been through watching other people, but it's also been through just reading a lot of really good books and gaining a lot of knowledge. So I think also it's really important from a dad to a daughter um, to really instill some of that confidence because now I find myself many times and especially at the beginning of my career in many male dominated environments, you know, um, I've worked with the Navy SEALs and I'm the only female in the room or I've worked with engineering firms. I'm the only female in the room. And those have probably have been completely, um, different outcomes if I didn't have my dad saying that I could do it because he was a strong man, military background, and he would just coach me how to impact those types of audiences. So I think as a female, that male um, instilled confidence is, is really key. And then when I look at my mom, I think she really influenced me in my relational capabilities as a leader. You know, she always was very intentional with scheduling playdates with other kids and involving me in as many activities as possible and finding out, you know, what I was good at and really allowing me to cultivate that. Um, I was involved in gymnastics the, the majority of my childhood for about 12 years and competed. And, you know, um, you just form relationships through teams and, and all of that good stuff. And then I think the other thing that was really significant is, you know, I didn't grow up, um, uh, you know, finances was always very strained growing up, but the one sacrifice um, that they would never compromise on was me going to a good school um, that taught really good values that focused on character development. And, you know, as a believer, um, that was going to Christian schools. And since we moved every two years, that was a way of kind of keeping a constant um, in my life, despite all the moves. So I would say between my mom and dad, those were really the ones that laid the foundation. And then, of course, God, just along my path, just brought coaches and mentors and professors to kind of fill in those gaps. But uh, yeah, I have to give props to them for sure. Definitely. And I like that you bring up sort of the benefits from having that father figure to kind of to, to move you and shape you and get you involved in activities. And then on the flip side of that, you've got mom sort of thinking in a completely different train of thought, almost how, how, she, how it would be like about more well-roundedness and, um, you know, taking what your dad's teaching and then taking what your mom's teaching and being able to use those things as you have mentors and people coming in to influence you to, to shape your own unique experience. Mm -hmm. I, I wonder, you know, were you the type of, of child that asked a lot of questions. You know, kids we know have this natural curiosity. As soon as they start talking, they 
All they do is ask questions. <laughs> and sometimes for parent, I know at least for this parent who's conducting this podcast, that can be overwhelming. Even knowing what I know about how important it is to teach our kids to question, to ask effective questions, the right questions to, you know, for them to be able to connect with people is all about their ability to, to, you know, fish through and find the answers to things. But a lot of times kids asking so many questions can be overwhelming and sometimes annoying to parents. But we do know that this type of questioning is essential to effective leadership. So what would you say, were, were you that type of kid that asked questions all the time? And what would you say to a parent who's having to field all these questions all the time? And how, what's the best way to, to approach, you know, bringing kids up in a positive way when you've got that going on? Yeah, those are great questions. Uh, yes, I was a child that asked a lot of questions. And I actually come from like the question master, which my mom was a reporter growing up who worked for a newspaper. And so her job was asking questions. And I think I inherited that uh, curiosity. And ultimately, what's been a very um, important skill set that's given me an edge as a consultant and coach is being able to ask the right questions. And I almost feel like I could be in the Guinness Book of World Records. Like if they said, okay, ready, go. How long can you go without running out of questions? I could probably win that contest. So I know what it's like to ask a lot of questions and be that kid. Um, and, you know, I don't have kids yet, but what I would say is I do relate to this because, you know, I'm an auntie to a lot of kids. I have, I have a niece and all my friends' kids. But on top of that, as a professor, I get asked a lot of questions. Also, you know, I was in college ministry for a time and we would go on these missions trips and man, the questions would were relentless all day long. And the thing is, is, you know, questions take a lot of energy to answer because a lot of times you're trying to think of how can I make something complex, you know, uh, simple to understand for whoever I'm answering to. And that takes some brain work. You know, they might ask, uh, you know, my, my niece asked the other day, who made God? <laughs> Well, that's going to take some brain power to talk about in a way that a four-year-old can understand. So I definitely get this. And I've, I've given it some thought. And first, I just like to say that it's a good thing. You know, this means that your child is thinking, means that they're curious. Um, and asking questions is definitely a mark of intelligence. And also just remembering that we have this divine privilege of shaping the world, which is very significant when you stop and think about it. Uh, but we can also guide the process of questions um, well so that we can both serve our kids and keep our sanity. Because like I said, it does take a lot of energy to answer questions. So some guidelines that I thought of that could be helpful is why are they asking the question? And I think the first could be because of curiosity and the desire to learn. And I would just say answer to your capacity. Like there can be um, a time when you say, you know, hey, we're going to do quiet time or we're going to listen to music now or we're going to do an activity. Answer up until your capacity. And you can always revisit those questions when you have capacity again. Um, so I think it's if they're asking for curiosity's sake, that's a good thing. And it's also good to teach them about rest and quiet, you know, that we don't need to be talking 24-7, that we, we can be alone with our own thoughts, or we can write down our questions and, you know, ask them later. Uh, so I would give parents the permission to answer at their capacity, realizing 
that, yeah, your answers are important and you're getting to shape their world. So that balance between serving them well and keeping your sanity. I think another um, thing to ask yourself in terms of why are they asking is it's, is it something they can explore or answer themselves? And I think, you know, they might just be asking a question and wanting you to give them the answer, but is there a way that you can actually teach critical thinking skills? So you might say, well, what do you think about that? Or why do you think that happened? Or what events do you think led up to that? You know, uh, I think that can get them thinking um, and gaining confidence that they have the critical thinking skills to also answer some of their own questions. And obviously that depends on the age, but it also could be, who do we know that might have that answer? If they ask, you know, some kind of scientific question or math question that you don't know, who do we know in our life that's really good at math? Maybe we could call up and ask them about it. What this does is it starts getting them confident that they always have the resources in their life to solve problems. So if they don't have the answer or you don't have the answer, maybe an uncle or an aunt or a teacher or a friend, maybe they are really good at that. And then they could ask that question to that person. And I think that really teaches information gathering skills. And I think that's pretty important. You know, as a leader, I rarely have the answer to every situation that's going to come up. But I know that I have every resource in my life to find that answer. And I think that can give kids a lot of confidence in their leadership, even if they don't know the answer. So I think in terms of questions and maintaining your sanity. There's probably not a one-size-fits-all solution, but I think those are some good guidelines. What do you notice about, so what you just described, you know, we're dealing with young kids or kids who are, you know, currently in development and trying to, trying to, you know, help them understand the qualities that it takes to be a leader, but you're growing these things when they're experiencing the world for the first time. What do you notice are the differences between what you just described for kids and the work you do with so many adults in so many spheres of, of, of work? Yeah. I mean, all of this really counts towards their future. Most of the people I'm coaching, I often wonder if they ever really got this engagement from their parents. They don't know how to ask questions. They don't know how to get the answers. There isn't that confidence. I mean, these are people I'm targeting that, you know, hire me to help coach them. So I think, you know, when you look back to the resources that they had as kids, there is that direct link, you know, even on the topic of emotional intelligence, you know, adults that are not emotionally intelligent, it's often linked back to not being taught those skills as kids. So this is what it shows up in the business world as, you know, it's, it's people that, um, maybe don't have really that sense of personal power. They don't have this confidence that they can find the answer to the problems or challenges that come their way. And I think what we can instill in kids from a young age is that, okay, if we don't have the answer, we can find it. How do we go about finding it? Who in our life might have that answer? Because it's the difference in somebody that meets a challenge and gets completely defeated and the difference between somebody that says, I don't know what the answer is, but I have confidence I can find the answer. And I think that's really key for leadership in the workplace in the future because people don't follow somebody who isn't confident. Gosh, I'm glad you brought that up too. I think because when you're when you're considering you know, kids and, and, you know, when they face a problem and even adults, obviously some, some of us have grown up, you know, not with, you know, without these skills. Mm -hmm. And then we get to adulthood and we still sit 
it, you know, in isolation, trying to mm-hmm. either figure out the problem ourselves or just being like you described, really defeated and not learning how to move past that feeling of defeat to hold on, there is a solution. And it, it, it more than often will require another person mm-hmm. or spending time maybe alone with a Lord to find those answers. Yes. Um, but gosh, I think about that all the time in terms of, you know, growing these kids who, when they do hit a challenge, you want there to be a framework for not just sitting in that defeat, but like practically what's that next step? Mm-hmm. Because ultimately it, it's not just having natural curiosity and asking questions that we know builds good leaders. Like we want to build kids who are good communicators as well. And you can't, I mean, when you're just sitting alone with a problem, trying, you know, running in circles, trying to figure it out yourself, the, the next step of that, that I, at least I want to guide my own daughter to is, mm-hmm. okay, I need to go find the answer outside, you know, what I'm sitting in right now. I've got to go take effective communication to another person and be able to express my and communicate my ideas, my emotions well, because that's the next step to sort of finding the answers for what you're looking for. So what do you feel are some ways that parents can help their kids both express their ideas and their emotions well? Yeah, that's a good one. And I would just say uh, to what you just shared that, you know, that can take the, the pressure off of parents that they need to be the end-all be-all influencers in their child's life because coaches and mentors and teachers and friends and other parents, you know, inviting them into your child's life, they're the best teachers to kind of fill in gaps that none of us can possess all those answers. So I think that that's great. Um, And in terms of communicating ideas um, and, and emotions well, I think it's really, it's modeling it yourself. We can really only, and this is true of the leadership world as well, you can only lead somebody where you've grown yourself. So leading yourself first is vital. And if you're seeing your child do something that you don't think is a true reflection of how an appropriate response or how you would want it, is there a way for you to kind of lead yourself in that a little bit, challenge yourself a little bit in those same areas so that you can lead them? So uh, when you think about... Um, how kids learn or how anybody's learn, it's both caught and taught. So caught, they see you doing something and they emulate it. Taught, you can resource them, you know, with resources outside the family, whether it's a class or whether it's um, an activity that brings out that skill. But I would say, you know, most people, even in the business world that are not happy with their teams, it's a reflection of their leadership. And I think sometimes if we're thinking, oh, our child isn't handling their emotions well, it's looking at ourselves and saying, are we modeling the way that we hope that they would handle their emotions? And I think, you know, really what that comes down to is being self-aware and I think, you know, the heart of emotional intelligence is really that competency of, you know, what am I feeling in my body? What's the feeling that I have? Why do I have that feeling? What caused it? And then what can I do about it? And I think all of those kind of address, you know, the emotional side of things. So if a parent, let's say, can say, you know, I, I had a knot in my stomach and I felt um, angry Um, And the reason I felt angry is because, you know, someone didn't keep their commitment to me. What am I going to do about it? I'm going to talk to that person. I mean, just the adult living their life that way, that is caught and taught by the child. Anybody that I've ever seen that has a lot of trouble managing their emotion 
it always, I look at the parent and it's the same thing. I mean, they literally cannot absorb what is not modeled to them. And I think also with the communication of ideas is, you know, um, in order to effectively communicate, we need feedback and we need preparation. So oftentimes, you know, once they get to the age where they can do this, you know, you might have them write it down, practice what they're going to say with you, give them feedback, and then really encourage them to go communicate. You know, I'll do this even with my niece when we're ordering at a restaurant is encourage her to order her own meal so that she starts learning how to interact with adults. She starts learning to say please and thank you, um, starts gaining confidence in her ability to communicate. So I think those are just some ways, but ultimately I think it's the more that we grow, the more we have to offer our kids and helping them grow in those same areas. I love it. You bring that up too. And, and going back to what you said a moment ago about kind of relieving the pressure. I mean, we as parents have a charge and a responsibility on our life to shape and guide and encourage our children. But the pressure is off when you think about, you know, bringing in other mentors and putting them in situations where they can feel their way through how, how, what's the best way for me to communicate in this scenario? But I'm curious, you know, cause you talked about mentors and coaches and other people in your life in your life besides your parents that were that were helpful in shaping you. We, so we talked about them a little bit earlier, your parents, but who were some of the leaders, I mean, in just the short time that, I mean, you've done this work for a long time, but in just the, the recent years, are there some leaders out there, some influencers, just mentors or coaches that mm-hmm. you feel have inspired you in, in this season of life that you're in and in the work that you do? Yeah. Well, some of them I'll never meet because I read books on leadership constantly, you know, Peter Drucker, who is the father of leadership, you know, I've read everything I can um, that he's written and people like John Maxwell, I mean, they've all written a lot of really good books on leadership. So they're kind of virtual mentors, I guess you would say. Um, But as a, you know, as a believer, um, I would say, you know, scripture just has so many examples of leaders. that did things God's way. And, you know, you think of the life of Jesus, David, Esther, Paul, Ruth, all of them really looked to God to guide their actions as a leader. And so, I mean, there's no formula for leadership. Each situation is going to require a certain level of discernment and wisdom comes from heaven. So the more that you can kind of, you know, ask God, how how can I handle this situation or what is the best way to manage the way that I feel so that I can maybe pray my way to peace before I actually, you know, confront this person or interact with this person. Um, Ones from history I've loved or Mother Teresa, you know, Martin Luther King, I just felt that they all use their influence for something positive. And they really could have, you know, gone a totally different route. And they probably deserve to go a different route. You know, you think of MLK, he could have fought back in a way that completely warranted kind of the oppression that um, people at that time experienced, but he chose to lead with peace. And I think that's why he's so memorable. And King David, the same thing, you know, he had Saul chasing him. He was the anointed king. He had every right. He had so many opportunities to take Saul out, but he really left it up to God and his timing and look look to the Lord to really lead and guide. So I have these, you know, kind of virtual mentors in so many ways. And then, of course, um, it just seems like God always will bring the right person at the right time to help me go to that next level, whatever that may be. So, um, yeah, I would say that there's so many. It's hard to narrow it down, but those are a couple. 
Well, I love hearing that too. And I, <laughs> you know, I think in talking about how we want to, you know, encourage our kids to ask questions when they do ask questions, how can we guide them appropriately to take those next step? Uh, you know, what it takes to be a good communicator and ways that we can help our kids express their ideas and emotions well. We've talked about that today. If you could give a piece of advice to parents who want to develop these and other leadership skills in their kids, just in the day-to-day, what would that advice be? Do your best to model it. Um, As you grow, they'll grow. Admit when you don't get it right, that also teaches them an important lesson about what it means to take personal responsibility, to apologize. Um, parents don't need to do it perfectly because we're all learning. Being a human means lifelong learning. And I can think of a time that I kind of, you know, was short with my mom in front of my niece and immediately apologizing to my mom and my niece to just say, you know, I, I could have been more patient just then. And I think they learn just as much from that as they do the times that we do it right. And so I just think doing the best you can to learn and grow in the very areas that, um, that you want to teach your kids and just remembering that we as believers have the Holy spirit and the Holy spirit counsels us and guides us. It gives us the right words at the right time. So it's not really up to you to figure it all out. It's up to you to be open. It's up to you to learn. But ultimately, if you're open, God will give you the right words at the right time. And He knows what your unique child needs in that moment. Those are things only He can know. So I guess just taking a little bit of the pressure off. Well, Elise, it's been awesome having you here today. And I I am so excited to encourage our listeners to connect with you online because not only because of the work that you're doing to teach and um, equip the next generation of marketplace leaders and adults who are working and, and want to use their skills and their leadership and influence to change the world, but so many of the things that you do and the teachings that you that you offer to adults can be applied to our kids. So mm-hmm. I, I love just hearing you share your heart for the work that you do and, and you know, out and in the marketplace, what that looks like, but how it really can be pared down and simplified for people who just have kids in the home who are who are trying to do our our best to raise them to be the the people God created them to be. So thank you so much for the work that you do. Thank you for having me. One more time so people can know just as we wrap up, where is the best place online for for those that that want to know more about you and the work you do to connect with you and find out more about what you're doing? Yeah, so my name is Elise Boggs. You'll see that on the the podcast title, but it's E L I S E B O G G S. So it's Elise Uh, com, And there's a place where you that you can hit on contact. And that's an intake form. So anything along the lines, I do coaching um, within families, organizations, etc, kind of bringing these skills and honing them. So if that's of interest to you, um, you can reach out that way. Awesome, Elise. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. If you enjoyed our conversation, please be sure to rate and review us on iTunes. If you have any questions, thoughts about the episode, or ideas about how we can come together and support our girls, we would absolutely love to hear from you. You can email us at hello at BibleBells.com. Just let go.